Greetings, programs, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. In our main episode this week, we asked over 50 of our friends to contribute their top 10 Marvel Cinematic Universe entries and use those to establish a consensus top 10. We also asked everyone if they would be willing to record a short audio clip about their favorite MCU film or show with the intent of sprinkling those into the episode. We didn't get one from everyone, but we did get a level of response that made that plan a little untenable, so we used them to build this special bonus episode. We'd very much like to thank everyone who contributed to the project, and to this episode specifically. It's been a lot of fun and really rewarding to see our community come together. We're going to start with Simon and I speaking about our number one Marvel movies from our most recent episode, and then we're going to jump right into our friends speaking about theirs. Well, then we get to my number one, drum roll, and it's a film you've already talked about, my favorite MCU movie, and I want to make that crystal clear because we're going to be talking about non-MCU. My favorite MCU movie is Captain America, The First Avenger, because it's a it's pretty much a perfect movie. I, I, I love period movies anyway like that um joe johnson sorry joe johnston i should say um i've kind of realized as i've got older is one of the most influential directors on the what i love about movies Mm -hmm. um and production design too like he was you know cut his teeth working for ilm right yeah yeah absolutely big big part of visual effects of star wars and empire and um the rocketeer is one of these movies that uh, really got me interested in movies as the the art of movie making, and um, then you've got Jumanji, and I, I really love Jurassic Park three as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, recently in twenty eighteen, made a he came in a reshot movie called Nutcracker and Four Rounds, which got absolutely destroyed everywhere. I love that movie. I think uh, for for it, the reason George Lucas made movies was to try and capture that Saturday matinee hero being cool and i don't think there's a better director for making saturday matinees than joe johnston like i think he's just brilliant at finding emotional beats action beats pacing of the whole thing little humorous moments um the the chase scene when steve rogers becomes captain america for the very very first time and he chases the nazi oh sorry the hydra agent out and they have that long chase that ends with him um by the water mm-hmm. you know the car chase and, he, and he's he tears the car door off and like that is one of the most perfect scenes that isn't just great for action but also gives the audience all this context about what he is now able to do it is just amazing breathtaking and um it's a it's a brilliantly balanced movie from beginning to end absolutely like 10 out of 10 no notes Yep, that's fair. That's the reason it's in my top ten as well. It's uh, and like Joe, it's, there's no underestimating Joe Johnston's influence. Yeah. Like, not only did he direct this and The Rocketeer, but also Jumanji and October Sky and yeah. Jurassic Park three, um, and you know, v- very heavily involved in Star Wars uh, and and Indiana Jones. Uh, batteries not included. Like he is, mm-hmm. he designed the Iron Giant for Brad Bird. Like he's mm-hmm. he's one of the people who is responsible for the way that we understand film design today. And he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He sure is. Well, that means we're down to my number one film, which okay. I'm pretty okay. sure you can guess what it is. It's <laughs> 2012's the Avengers, which mm-hmm. uh, similar to what I said to Endgame, 
the Avengers is a turning point. It was, you know, at we had not had we did we had had comic book movies before this. We had not had comic book continuity before this. And it was the first time they did it, and it was the first time, and it, it worked like it worked. And I don't want to talk about Joss Whedon either. He's a garbage human being. We don't need to really address that. But in terms of his ability to handle an ensemble, he's pretty perfect. He's a pretty perfect writer for an actor like Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And it was just wonderful to see the characters interacting in the way they did in the comic books, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, when that movie came out, if you want, you know, now if movies come out the day before they come out, right? that comes out on a Friday, there's always a showing at like 7 p.m. on Thursday. But when that movie came out, if you wanted to see it first, you had to go at midnight on Thursday night. Like they started it at midnight. So it was technically mm-hmm. Friday. And that's what I did. Me and a bunch of friends, we went and watched that movie at midnight uh, at a not quite IMAX theater out in Langley, I think it was. It was Langley or Surrey, mm-hmm. um, which for those of you not from here is another city nearby Vancouver. Um and the the rea- that reaction video you were talking about of people going absolutely apeshit when the Avengers first assemble in New York and there's that tracking shot around the team as they circle up. That I, I don't know if your video was from my showing, but that's what happened at my showing. There was literally mm-hmm. a standing ovation in that moment of, you know, mm-hmm. super tired nerds just going absolutely nuts for this particular moment. Um, it also has one of my favorite moments in the entire MCU character moments in the MCU, which is, uh, early in the film, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but, um, Steve Rogers says something about how he's not sure anything could surprise him anymore. And Nick Fury (laughs) says, I'll bet you 10 bucks that there is. And then later in the film, when the helicarrier takes off without any dialogue, Steve Rogers just hands Nick Fury 10 bucks and it's perfect. Yeah, and it's and it's yeah. it was also that, so that that level of of sort of character detail is what really works about the MCU, right? It's not necessarily about the big CGI battles at the end. It's that we love the characters in those CGI battles, mm-hmm. and this was the movie that really solidified that it could work if they all worked together, if they all appeared together. That they didn't have to be, you know, one hero. It could be an ensemble, and I yeah. I I don't ever actually see a movie surpassing it in terms yeah. of my estimation of the MCU. Absolutely, and a good example of that is one of my favorite movies. Uh, sorry, my favorite moments from the Avengers is it was where the same line is said twice, and it's used first as enemies and then as com as like comrades. And it's when um, Steve and Tony are going face to face about who's got the bigger dick on the helicarrier. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> what are you with us? Yeah, put on the suit. It's like, yeah, well, you're nothing. Go put on the suit. And then they get attacked. And he's like, put on the suit. He's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I love that moment. And there's so many great moments in that movie, but it's just that instant where you go from bickering brothers to like i've got your back like that's incredibly evocative and i i think it just captures it perfectly yeah yeah it's perfect it's a it's a near perfect film hello this is brian scuttle of sonic cinema and the sonic cinema podcast www.sonic-cinema.com my favorite marvel cinematic universe film is scott derrickson's doctor strange from 2016 
it doesn't have to do anything with um, any particular affection for the character, but the way that Derrickson makes that story a spiritual as well as a physical rehabilitation for Stephen Strange is what really connects me to it and what I love about it so much as somebody who's had their own reawakening that they've had to do over the years physically as well as emotionally and spiritually. It it was something that really connected with me when I saw it in 2016, and it continues to connect with me now. I'm Austin Belzer of Austin B Media, uh, and I've selected Guardians of the Galaxy for my favorite Marvel movie of all time. And the reason I do did this, it requires a bit of context. So when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, my father died. It had been a few months, but I was still in a severe state of depression. Um, that's the only thing I can really say it as. It, people tried everything. I remember watching Turbo. I remember having nightmares. But then my mom had the bright idea to go see Guardians of the Galaxy and before the movie, I was like, you know what, I hate this. I just want to go home. I hate movies. I hate life. I was pretty just upset with the whole life thing. And there's a certain scene. There, A lot of the emotional core of the film relies on Peter Quill and his relationship with his mother. And that really got to me because the wounds were still fresh from losing my father. He was one of my best friends, uh, probably my best friend. And having Peter, Star-Lord, struggle with trying to have new friends in this cosmic battle, this trying to let go of his mother but still honor her, it just really spoke to me in that moment because of no, I just lost my father. And I really started to break down. And I will say, anytime his mother was on screen, I was crying. I mean, sobbing. But in that final battle scene where Peter's kind of in this celestial space, I'll call it, when he sees his mom saying, take my hand, Peter, take my hand, and then it flashes to his friend, uh, Gamora, it, I lost it. And that was the first sign that life is okay. Everything's okay. And I'll try not to tear up. I can already feel the waterworks running. But it was the first sign that somebody said, it's going to be okay. You can let that person go, but still honor him through the things you do. It's why I became, in large part, why I started Austin B Media. I wanted to honor my father and the movie trips we took to Blockbuster and to the AMCs and, and all the other dime uh, movie theaters. RV next, you know. He's the reason I loved movies. Guardians of the Galaxy surpassed the whole, hey, we're a Marvel movie. Get ready for some jokes. That was fun. But. It really said, everything's going to be okay. And that's why I love Guardians of the Galaxy.
Hey everybody, it's Richard Kirkham from uh, The Lambcast. I'm just checking in with Matt Simpson and Awesome Fridays trying to share a message about what my favorite MCU project is. I'm a big fan of Captain America The First Avengers. Basically, this is a movie that seeps itself in nostalgia and brings out the best in uh, an individual soldier, which is what makes the difference between him and others. He's a good man, and it's not the superpowers that he gets, it's the nature of the man that makes him the hero that he is. It's also nostalgic for me because I remember reading Captain America when I was a kid back in the 60s, and the Red Skull was the main villain, and of course that's the main villain in this particular show. So even though it may not be as flashy as a lot of the other MCU projects, uh, Captain America The First Avenger, which was directed by Joe Johnson, who's an expert at these nostalgia pieces, is what does it for me. I love the songs as well. You guys have a great one. Thanks. What's up, everyone? Thomas here with For Real. And back in the day when I would binge watch MCU films, there was one I would always look forward to a little more than the others, and that's the first Thor film. Most of the Thor movies, well, much like the Thor character, actually, have suffered from identity crisis, in my opinion, uh, too often piggybacking off of the vibrant and eccentric rock and roll energy that works so well for the Guardians of the Galaxy. In MCU Phase 1, the first Thor movie had established the best balance between drama, action, and comedy in my opinion. It's a story that sees substantial and meaningful character development from its lead character. And on top of all of that, pulling off a satisfying ending is everything to me. And with Thor having a conclusion that tugged on my heartstrings more than any other non-Avengers MCU film, thanks to a sweet and sentimental score from Patrick Doyle, it's a movie that holds a special place in my heart, and unfortunately makes every other Thor film since then, Love and Thunder included, disappointingly inferior in my eyes. <sighs> there, I've said it. Hello guys, uh, this is Vail Kaushik, uh, aka Beda Critic. So I would like to discuss about my favorite movie called Infinity War in the MCU. I just love that movie, man, you know. Just love that movie unconditionally, you know. I think that movie was where MCU peaked according to me because that movie has everything, literally. It has fights, it has nice comedy and it has everything, emotions. And who can forget Tony Stark clutching on to Peter while he was dusted away. Man, that scene was emotional. So I would say Infinity War does an excellent job of building up Thanos as the protagonist or you can say antagonist or you can say villain in our senses but he is the protagonist of that story because Infinity War is essentially Thanos story and uh, I really love the dynamic between Peter and Tony Stark in this movie you know there are so many gut punches in throughout this movie you know and when Steve Rogers at the end collapses staring at the Bucky staring at the ashes of Bucky you know at the nothingness you understand the gravity of what Thanos has done so it's just a beautiful movie according to me which has everything you know I don't think any MCU movie will be able to top that but this you know if I'm happy to be proven wrong hello my name is Don Shinhan I'm a content supervisor and film critic for 25 years later self-published on my own site of Every Movie Has a Lesson, and one of the co-hosts of the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, sponsored by Ruminations Radio Network. I'm happy to be here to celebrate my appreciation for Joe Johnson's Captain America The First Avenger. 
As a former gravel road farm kid who now lives in Chicago, you cannot wash the Midwestern values off of me. I'm normally a Superman fan when it comes to comic book superheroes, where I like the true blue type more than the trendy anti-heroes of today. In the Marvel world, that best pillar is Steve Rogers' Captain America played by Chris Evans. Going with the throwback nature of the period movie, I'm a fan of the upright values that make him a dignified leader. On my website, I, the school teacher, cite life lessons movies can teach from the serious to the farcical. For Captain America the First Avenger, I zeroed in on the notion of staying a good man, touted to our lead character by Stanley Tucci's Dr. Erskine. Along the same path as power corrupting, too often we hear uh, or read stories of athletes, celebrities, or political leaders from humble backgrounds who irrevocably change due to money, fame, and power. They forget where they came from or the good people they used to be. That doesn't happen to Steve. While able to do things above and beyond his fellow soldier and common man, he retains the chivalrous, courageous, and heroic traits of that kid who won't back down from any challenge or bully. Fame and power don't change him. Rather, it makes him what he can accomplish only greater. And that's why I love Steve Rogers, Captain America, and that very first movie, Captain America, the First Avenger. This is Rob from Movie Rob Minute Podcast, where right now we're doing season three. We're doing Die Hard Minute by Minute. Basically, I want to tell everyone about my favorite MCU movie. My favorite MCU movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, the reason I loved it is, first of all, these were characters that I knew nothing about before going into it. You know, I knew all about the regular superheroes, you know, the regular Avengers that we have for Marvel, but I knew nothing about the Guardians. I wasn't sure about it, and when I saw it, I was just blown away by the movie, blown away by the effects, blown away by the lived-in feeling of every single planet that they visited. The characters are great, you know, they're they're fun, and just uh, it's just great watching them. I mean, I even just recently went to go see Thor in the theater because I wanted to see the Guardians in it. But for those of us who've seen it, we all know that they only have a short little cameo there. But oh well. What can you do? I'll still wait around for Guardians 3 to come out, and we'll, we'll get to see more of Peter Quill and all of his friends. Thanks. Awesome party, guys. This is a lot of fun, and hopefully everyone else has some great things to say about their favorite MCU movies. Hey, Simon. Hey, Matthew. This is Rachel Ho from ContraZoom Pod, and I'm going to talk about WandaVision. It's my personal favorite project the MCU has ever done. I think it is definitely the most interesting story that they've ever told. Certainly incredibly brave and bold and unlike anything that they've done before. Those first seven episodes in particular are just so immensely creative. All the callbacks to the different sitcoms from the different eras, the way that they brought those to life, I, it just blew my mind at the time because I wasn't expecting it from Marvel. I also didn't expect to see Marvel tackle something as complicated and kind of complex as deep-seated grief and I think Elizabeth Olsen had a lot to do with bringing that home. Her performance in the show is absolutely phenomenal, and I think she's always been a little bit underrated within Marvel, and this show definitely gave her a platform to actually show off of her talents. WandaVision for me set the bar of what I think that Marvel can accomplish with all of their resources and you know all the great minds that work at that studio. So that's it from me. Thank you so much, boys, for asking me to be a part of this, and talk to you guys soon. Bye. Hi, this is Shara Chavla. I have my own YouTube channel, which is also named Shara Chavla. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about Avengers Endgame because it's a movie that even to this day I can't believe really happened. I grew up with these comic books and these characters over the years and it seemed like this sort of fever dream. Like, it just 
was a foregone conclusion that it was never actually going to happen. We'd never get to a point in filmmaking where we'd be able to see something like that on the big screen. So you have to imagine the five-year-old sort of coming out for that one moment over there during the portal sequence in Endgame. And I love that movie because it's just such a special moment. It just felt like this sort of full circle moment as a, as a kid, as the adult, someone who loves these characters, sort of just all of it coming together. It's a movie that delves into the emotional beats of them. It deals with the fallout of things that happen in Infinity War perfectly, another fantastic movie. And eventually it brings it together in this rousing conclusion that, again, it's, it's impossible to have imagined this about you know 20 years ago. But it happened, and I'm so thankful for that movie, and I'm always going to be for the rest of my life. Hi, I'm Dakota Arsenault, one half of ContraZoom Pod. I often get accused by my co-host Rachel that I'm too bougie with my taste in movies. I make double bill pairings of Persona with Enemy or Rafifi with the Bling Ring in our A24 retrospective series. But I really enjoy the MCU. The fact that through phases 1 through 3, there were 23 movies that told more or less a continuing storyline, always adding and growing, while still being easy to follow, is a damn miracle. Things really peaked for me with movies like Black Panther, where for the first time, the villain made perfect sense. You have Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, who works to correct injustices by colonizers by taking back stolen artifacts that belong to the fictional African country of Wakanda. He then is disgusted that Wakanda has advanced technology that could literally make the world a better, safer, and more enriched place to live in. But instead, they hide the vibranium only to use it for themselves. It was a case where you understood and agreed with the bad guy's motivations, even if his methods were extreme. By the end of the movie, King T'Challa realizes that Killmonger was right, and it was unethical for Wakanda to not do the absolute most to help better outsiders' lives. Marvel has often been criticized that their movies are usually only as good as their antagonists, but in Black Panther, they got it right. Thanks for letting me ramble on, guys, and looking forward to seeing how everyone voted. Hi, this is Jake Lewitt from Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and Con Air, the podcast. One of my favorite MCU films that I feel like doesn't get enough love is Iron Man 3. It gets derided for the uh, kind of the Mandarin twist, if you will, which is like a nice cocktail. Uh, but I love everything about it. I love the innovation of the fights, the kind of the half uh, Iron Man suit fight he has. The uh, Ben Kingsley I find is hilarious uh, in every aspect of the character that he plays. Uh, Shane Black's direction is great. It was actually the the first podcast I ever hosted was on Iron Man three, so I may have that soft spot to it as well. Uh, but I I adore it, and I feel like it should get more love than it does. Hi, it's Craig McKenzie here. My writing can be found on neilbeforeblog.co.uk and my podcast is Neil Before Pod. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Matthew for the opportunity to contribute to this. My MCU memory was tough to narrow down. I thought about Thor's conversation with Frigga in the Endgame or Cap's rousing The Price of Freedom speech in Winter Soldier, but ultimately it had to go to the obvious crowd-pleasing Avengers Assemble moment from The Avengers. I picked this because this was the moment I saw my wildest dreams come to life on screen and felt a level of excitement I've been chasing ever since. Banner walking towards the approaching Leviathan declaring that he's always angry before hulking out and punching it, following by that glorious circle shot of the Avengers finally all together might never be beaten. Shout out to Alan Silvestri's excellent score, enhancing the moment perfectly. The ensuing strategizing was also great, with Cap responding to the question of how they handle this with the earnest and believable as a team, and instructing Hulk to smash in a glorious riff on the expected. 
It can't be overstated how perfect a display of fan service this all is. Hey everybody, it's Mike, aka The Novice Cinephile, from the Chatter After Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about one of my favorite MCU films, Black Panther. So Black Panther, to me, is special because it changes the narrative. It's more than a film in my eyes, right? As an African-American, I hate how 90% of movies with Black leads focus on our Blackness, as it's as if it's a personality trait. Most of these stories would always focus on poverty or gangs or war, any form of oppression, whereas Black Panther just showed that we're people too. We can be the smartest in the room as well, and Ryan Coogler was able to make that a standout, right? Black Panther isn't just a story about a Black superhero, but it's a story about self-discovery, forgiveness, empowerment, and love. It's what we needed to see after decades of misrepresentation on screen, and it's about creating a world where we control our own destiny, while also respecting the issues that came before it. Black Panther is more than a comic book movie to me. It's showing the world I've longed to make a reality, and I'll forever be thankful for that. Hello, friends. This is Jeff from Classic Movies Live. When Matthew and Simon reached out to me to talk about the MCU, I knew I had to use this opportunity to talk about the legacy of the Avengers. Because I remember back in 2008 seeing Iron Man in the same week as The Dark Knight Rises. And at the time, my friends and I, we had superhero movies to talk about, but we were just comparing single films against each other at that point. The concept of a shared universe existed, but it definitely wasn't where it is now. I remember being blown away by the potential of Captain America, Thor, and The Incredible Hulk all being announced, especially with someone as awesome as, the, as Ed Norton tapped to star in that last one. So when the first Avengers movie came out, after all those had completed, it felt like the culmination of something big, but also the start of something so much bigger. And I'll tell you, as an expert on classic movies, the titles weren't even done rolling on Joss Whedon's team-up movie before I knew that this was going to shake up all of Hollywood for years to come. And it totally did. In the years since, Marvel has turned even heroes like Ant-Man and Drax into household names and managed to build a sprawling universe that houses such disparate genres as spy thrillers, horror, millennia-spanning epics, all while remaining pretty close to tonally consistent. Obviously, not everything in the Marvel canon has been a five-star movie, and certainly by the time I saw Age of Ultron, I was starting to wonder if shared universes were even the best idea, but even then, it always felt like it was building to something. Even when a movie didn't quite live up to whatever the last one was, everything from Captain Marvel to Captain America felt important. And I think that all really paid off in the incredible two-part finale to the MCU, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Um, Anthony and Joe Russo, like the thing they know best how to do is they just really understood the trajectory of every single hero in that universe, and they made the best use of all of them. Uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Spider-Man, those sort of became the face of Marvel's New York. Vision and Wanda, they had some cute moments together and, and like really got fleshed out a lot. Um, Thor. I, Thor became the most tragic hero in the MCU and to this day is like probably my favorite character arc 
in the whole universe. Um, and then at the very end of that movie, at the end of Infinity War, they do something truly insane and give us a bad ending where the protagonist of the film wins, but the entire universe loses. Infinity War blew my mind when I saw it. And like, there's just no way it should have worked. And it's still my favorite MCU film to this day. But of course, after Infinity War, they still had to give us some closure. They had, uh, they had Endgame coming up. And Endgame was even less likely to work. It had a bonkers plot. It had a time skip. And like the opening sequence is just depressing. And yet somehow Endgame picked up not only all the loose threads from Infinity War, but basically every other loose thread in the whole MCU. I managed to put a nice big bow on it. And I'll never forget sitting in the theater, seeing that last sequence where my favorite character in the whole MCU gets a happy ending that he'd been robbed of 10 years prior. Uh, Endgame was a sequel to 23 movies that somehow managed to give closure to every single one. And once it closed out that chapter of the universe, it gave the most important characters a much-deserved farewell as a cherry on top. I personally don't think we're going to see anything like that again for a long, long time. So kiss me once, then kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. It's been a long, long time. That's it for this bonus episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. Thank you once again to all of our friends who helped us out with their personal top tens, and to Austin, Brian, Dakota, Don, Jay, Michael, Rachel, Richard, Rob, Shoria, Thomas, and YL for submitting audio clips about their favorites. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we are proud being in your community. We can't wait to see where the future takes us all. The Awesome Friday Podcast is produced by... Myself, Matthew, and Simon, here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish Nation. As always, you can find us on the socials and Patreon, which are both linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome Friday. <laughs>